Good morning, good morning, good morning. Three weeks in a row on this new format. Oh, it's feeling good. Um, and, 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 and we're going to be going live next week. So that'll be fun. Um, can't guarantee that. I want to go live starting next week, but there's really no, I don't have a 100% guarantee only because of my schedule. It's still really hard with this show, but working on it. So, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the episode of Hard Foul Radio. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today, including, uh, I know I said last week I wasn't going to go talk about Denver and New Orleans again, but both had really significant weeks, so I feel they are relevant beyond just my fandom. Um, We're going to discuss the nightmare that never stops ending, like the nightmare that just can't wake up from, like Freddy Krueger-esque type shit, Um, as well as... Some NCAA breakdown, we have Tony on the show today, so that's super dope, got an interview with him coming up, and yeah man, there's a lot of good stuff that happened this week, but let's start here. So, I'm not going to come in and give you uh, LeBron James, injury impact, MVP convo, what does it mean, how soon is he going to come back, I don't care. Not that I don't care about LeBron. But I think this injury in the long run is going to end up meaningless. And barring it being a bigger deal than we were led to believe, and I'm going to stay in the dark on this. I don't have anyone that talks to LeBron. I don't know. LeBron hasn't hit my line in the last couple months, you know, unfortunate. So without the knowledge of knowing if this is something deeper and darker, I'm going to go with he's got a high ankle sprain. He's out for a month, which I believe LeBron is one of those people that are just built uniquely different. And so I don't know if he will be out for the full month, nor do I doubt that he will come back possibly better. He just has a very uniquely built body um, and his genetics are just better than 99.9% of us. So with that being said, the impact of this injury I think is almost zero. Now, I do want, as far as, and I'm going to say impact is zero, I mean impact on the Lakers' success in the long run, because the Lakers just won a title with no home games. I don't think they really care if they're a six seed or if they fall down to a seven seed. Um, maybe avoiding the seven if they don't want to do the playing game, fine. Maybe that has some significance. Um, I, I was ripping on guys that this year would come in and talk about, oh, LeBron is clearly the MVP. Look at that great game he had without AD. And it was them blowing out the Timberwolves by 20. It's like, it's the Timberwolves. They have the worst record in the league, and the Rockets have lost 20 straight games until a day ago. So that's not really, you know, it's very it's very meaningless. It doesn't feel like it holds much moment outside of you got to say something for that day. Now, a problem with LeBron's injury, though, is the pure polarizing factor that is LeBron James. Because LeBron hides something really well and this is something that it's not just he's not the only guy to ever do this but you need guys like this throughout history of any of any professional sports league because every league will have this run lebron hides the fact and disguises the fact that the nba is not very good right now now the nba is still extremely popular the NBA still has an incredible reaction from the fans. But if you're looking at the product on the court, you get one or two guys per team that 
You know, something we love to say here, like, oh, this guy's hooping. Oh, this guy's putting them numbers. But the team stinks. John Wall is having a great bounce back year considering what he's been through the past two years. The Rockets have lost 20 straight. Last year, the first two years of his career, Trey Young was always putting up numbers, always was hooping. But the Hawks sucked. Zion put up numbers last year. Pelicans weren't good. Devin Booker put up numbers. The Suns weren't good. And that's kind of a reflection of where the league sits right now. Think about this. Now, and for for great players, I don't think your seeding really matters. Because you're just great. And you're going to be great no matter what the circumstance is. Kevin Durant and the Nets, even though they might get the one seed, I don't think they really care because when they get to line up, if they're all healthy when it comes time for the playoffs, Kyrie, Harden, Durant, it does not matter if that's a one seed or an eight seed. Kyrie, Durant, Harden, that's a team to deal with. Might be the best team in the league. The Lakers the same way. They're not going to care when it's LeBron and AD, they line up. They don't really care if they're the one seed or the eight seed. But now, as far as a product for the rest of the NBA, let me see here. Mm, Okay, so in the Eastern Conference, which has always been considered the worst conference, or not always, but those last 10, 15 years have been considered the weaker conference. Have you seen the records of these teams? Now, let's be fair. It's COVID. There's other factors going on. Some guys are not, they're just, I, I use certain teams as why, why would you try? It's COVID. Like if you're a team like the Timberwolves and your best player has been impacted to the extent that Carl Anthony Towns has been, basketball is not the first thing on your mind. But even with that being said, I would, like I said, I will give the moral pass of, if you're not up to it because of COVID, that's on you and that's completely fine. That's a valid moral reason. But the product on the floor, like you said, let's skip the East for a second just because the East is the East is really bad. But even in the West, the Mavs are three games over 500 as an eight seed. The Warriors are the ninth seed and they're at 500. The Grizzlies and Pelicans... The Grizzlies are just at 500. The Pelicans are five game under. And the th- rebuilding Thunder with 3,036 draft picks are five games under. These are the teams in contention for those final couple playoff spots. And even the teams that are dominating. Well, the Lakers were, but now they're going to fall back with no LeBron and AD. The Nuggets are starting to have a surge, but they've been hovering around 500 for most of the year. The Blazers were around 500 before this past week with Dame. The Spurs are a couple games over 500, and now they're getting rid of Aldridge. And the Mavericks, we were literally told Luka was like, well, I was kind of fat and out of shape because the season was starting for a couple more weeks. Let's go to the East. This is where it gets real bad. The Atlanta Hawks. It's so good to see Trey Young's team doing well. Trey Young. 
if you were a fan of Trey Young, you're like, oh, he's finally getting to the playoffs. He's going to show everybody what he can do. Oh, they are hooping this year. Yo, how good are they playing? They game over 500. Oh, so they about to make like, so they like the eight seed? Now they the four. If the NBA playoffs started today, the Atlanta Hawks with a game over 500 are a four seed. The Charlotte Hornets, who just lost rookie of the year front runner LaMelo Ball, they're a five seed. They're fighting for home court. They just got to 500. The Miami Heat just got to 500. The Miami Heat were considered a bust and the biggest disappointment of the season because in a year, in almost any other year, where the expectation to get into the playoffs would at least be, okay, be 7, 8, 10 games over 500. Like, have a good record. Win 45 games. Win 46, 47 games. The Knicks, they're the 7th seed. They're also 500. The Celtics are the 8th seed. They're under 500. The Bulls and Pacers... Four games under. They're fi- they're in that seven to ten playoff sequence. The Raptors are seventeen and twenty six. Come on, man. The NBA has a problem right now. Is that its overall product stinks, and it is carried by a couple elite superstars. The biggest being LeBron James. And because of LeBron no longer being there, some of this lesser stuff, like LeBron's not there, and not just LeBron, by the way. LeBron's not there. KD's not there. Um, Kyrie's missing time. Joel Embiid for the Sixers is missing time. Jimmy Butler's been out for parts of this year. In the West, uh, Kawhi and Paul George have both missed time. The Spurs, they're 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 getting rid of they're getting rid of Aldridge. Aldridge is probably not as big a factor anymore. The Warriors don't have Clay. Like the overall product of this league is bad. And the NBA, because of the player empowerment, which I am for to a degree, these guys don't build teams. Like when you're just because you're great, um, let's 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 we'll end this on this note. When you're great as a kid playing basketball and you're going out there on the court and you're doing pickup game, and as a pickup game, they're like, "All right, you two are the best players. You guys got to be on separate teams." They separate you. A lot of times, guys aren't picking. Okay, this is the third best player. This is the fourth best player. Oh, he's the second best player. No, you're picking your friends. You're picking the dudes you're cool with. Or you're picking the dudes who will pass you the ball. And that's what a lot of these super teams and the more player empowerment we've gotten, it's guys playing with their friends. Why is DeAndre Jordan on the Nets? Because he's friends with KD and Kyrie. Why is Kyrie on the Nets? Because he's cool with Kevin Durant. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they were cool. AD, come on over here. Like, guys aren't, the guys who are picking their friends, 
They're not building great teams. They're just playing with their friends or guys that'll pass them the ball. We just ragged on Paul George all last year. Why would he? Why did Kawhi? Why was Paul George on the Clippers? Kawhi Leonard wanted him. The NBA stinks right now, man. And I love the NBA, but it just stinks right now. So transitioning from the NBA stinks to the eternal nightmare for most football fans. And if you had asked me uh, age 14 and under, I would have said this was also a nightmare. Now I'm very appreciative of it, but it still is one of those things where you're like, all right, can we move on to the next thing, guys? Like, we've been on this lesson for a while now. Um, and that's Tom Brady. And that's the Buccaneers. Who are going to be overwhelming favorites going into next year. And they should be. Now, to not sound like a hypocrite, I want to analyze how I felt about the Chiefs last year versus how I feel about Tom Brady and the Bucks this year. I said all year, the Chiefs are the dynasty to be. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, they re-signed the majority of their big guys, Matthew, Jones, um, um, I'm missing a guy right now. Um, Kelsey got a new contract. And I said, this is it. As long as Mahomes stays healthy, this is it. This is what a dynasty looks like. They're that much faster. They're that much more talented. They are just that much better than everybody else on the field. Like, this is a dynasty. This should happen. Barring an egregious injury or something crazy. Tom Brady is something crazy. Because Tom Brady is not, it's not just how great he's been in his career and how proven he is and not only being a favorite underdog, wherever you place him at the beginning of the season. I had them as a boomer bust team last season and now I got them as the favorites. But it's not just impressive to how many rings he's won and the success he's had. It's the amount of careers he's altered. So, when you're looking at career altering, career altering happens on two sides of the coin. There's the with me career altering, and there's against me career altering when it comes to Tom Brady. The with me career altering are these guys that have just re-signed. Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue. Uh, Chris Godwin got franchise tag. They're going to have... Numbers, impact, performance, and now championships. That's going to alter their career. And Dominican Sue, who started off Hall of Fame level play, is going to probably end his career with Hall of Fame level accomplishments. He'll have rings. He'll have multiple All-Pros, multiple Pro Bowls. Levante David, who had years of playing at a borderline Hall of Fame level. He was a, a multiple-time first-team All-Pro um, multiple-time Pro Bowler. Shaq Barrett, who's entering the prime of his career now, is going to accumulate even more sacks, get more rings. He is going to alter these guys' career, which is why they want to be there. Antonio Brown has pretty much every receiving record you could want from the last eight, nine years of the league. And now he's got a ring. Career-altering. But what's the most impressive thing is if you look at the career-altering for the guys against Tom Brady. And think of how many dynasties 
are not there because of him. Remember, the Patriots dynasty essentially takes, there's part one and part two. And it takes course dominance of 20 years. Peyton Manning has only two Super Bowl rings because Tom Brady is there. Tom Brady does not exist. Peyton Manning gets three or four rings. And we look at the greatest of all time conversation differently. If Tom Brady is not there, Eli Manning has a third ring. If Tom Brady is not there, the greatest show on turf has back-to-back championships and cements themselves as an all-time team. If Tom Brady is not there, what do we think of Ben Roethlisberger? How many more rings does he get? Does Phillip Rivers win a championship? If Tom Brady is not there, the Falcons don't choke. If they don't choke, does that change the entire dynamic of that team? The chemistry, the momentum they had. If they took that 2016 offense and that 2016 season, they went all the way and they won a Super Bowl. You don't think it changes the outcome of Matt Ryan's career? Jared Goff, would he still be a Ram if not for Tom Brady? And now we get to the most impactful one. Is Tom Brady going to ruin Patrick Mahomes' potential dynasty? Now, Mahomes is going to play, obviously, much longer than Tom Brady. Well, presumably, if Tom Brady is actually a human being, Mahomes will play longer than Tom Brady. But this chance Mahomes has at a dynasty, because he might not ever get a Tyree Kill again. He might not ever get a Travis Kelsey again. He might not ever get... He might not have Andy Reid for the entirety of his career. He might not get a Chris Jones, a Tyron Matt, like these other guys who have attributed to his success. He's great, but these other guys are great too. And if he never gets that chance or that level of talent again, do we say Mahomes never gets a dynasty? Does that conversation that seemed insane a year ago become more relevant for Patrick Mahomes and that conversation being does Mahomes only win one ring because Tom Brady exists what if the Bucks get a three-peat what if Brady ends his career with nine rings these are all questions you got to ask and like I said if you are a fan of a team or if you are a fan of a team in his division or a fan of a team that is rooted against Tom Brady for years, this is a nightmare. Because they're going to be Super Bowl favorites with a guy who's won more than anybody. So this isn't, oh, they got the talent to win. This is talent slash proven to win. And if you're a guy who, like me, used to hate Tom Brady, and this would have been a nightmare for me when I was 14, to now look at it at 26 and go, you just throw your hands up. This guy's just that great. Guy's amazing. There's nothing else you can say about it. The guy is just amazing. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, and he is pushing that so much farther away from 
everybody else. This is going to be Gretzky in hockey, Serena in tennis. What would have been Tiger Woods in golf. This is the GOAT furthering himself, distancing himself, never to be caught in his own lane, in his own world. This is Hard File Radio. Appreciate you guys for tuning in today and joining me this week. Um, we do have, after this short break, Tony is going to be coming in. We're going to talk to Tony about some March Madness, as well as we have some um, some NBA trade discussion, which uh, I could be overselling it, but I think my team's involved in the two biggest potential moves of this NBA trade deadline. So that'll be cool to talk about. And then we do, and we are bringing back something only I would understand to end this week. So hopefully you guys stay through for the whole episode. We're going to take a quick break. This is Hard Fall Radio. Tony on the other side. And now, for the part of the show that I really don't know shit about, but that's why we do this. And when you speak about something or when you want to like when you want to talk about something, if you're not as educated on it, you got to bring in other people that are more educated on that subject. So we got Tony, you know him from the Real Big Three, you know him from Boxing with Tony and Will. He is here to give us our NCAA breakdown. How you doing, my guy? What's up, yeah. So explain to someone talk to me like i'm five right mm-hmm. you gotta ex- explain it something to someone who knows like very little about this dynamic okay so let me start here i've heard from a bunch of different talking heads and i see it on twitter it's like this is the first ncaa tournament without it's unc duke kentucky and um uh kansas i think is the other big one since like the fucking 70s right now, no, Kansas was, I mean, but they got eliminated. So I guess it's like the first what, Sweet 16 without them. Yeah, first Sweet 16 without them. Since, yeah, since the 70s. So now asking, because you you follow college basketball far more than I do, is that actually surprising? Like that those teams aren't at this point? Or is that just like, 
Like, are those just historically great teams, but they really wasn't that great to start this season? Or is there legitimate, like, they got upset or something went wrong? No, they, they were not good at all this season. I don't even think Kentucky had a winning record this season. Damn. Uh, Duke, Duke didn't have any impressive wins. Like, Duke, Duke maybe could have made a run at the ACC championship and made it in, but due to COVID, that's just how the cookie crumbled for, the, for Duke. Uh, Carolina was kind of up and down this year. I do think that me being a Carolina fan, I do think that will be much better next year with uh, the freshmen that they have. Uh, um, with the freshmen that they have, assuming they they won't declare because it really wouldn't make no sense for them to because they, they aren't looking at good draft stock anyway. So assuming that Carolina, uh, the freshmen that they have this season, come back and get more experience, they'll be much better. But they were very up and down. Uh, team this year, Carolina got they lost in the first round to Wisconsin, who is a very experienced team. Uh, Wisconsin, I think it was they said like I was watching, I think they said like five or six of eight people in the eight man rotation of Wisconsin all seniors. Damn. So yeah, so that was like you know you just you just get out experienced and um, you know it, it's just that type of season for them and for Kansas. Uh, same thing, really, uh, as far as inconsistency with Kansas. I guess, you know, they had a better – they had more impressive wins, I, I guess you could say. But they, they ran into a UCLA team that, that was – not UCLA. Um, they ran into a USC team that's, that's hot right now. Um, probably the second pick in the draft in Evan Mobley. So, you know, that was just a bad a bad draw for Kansas. So, for the, for the Blue Bloods, it hasn't been a really good year, but – I mean, if you really look into the last few seasons, you know, it hasn't really been too crazy for the blue for the blue bloods. Like Duke had that crazy uh team with Zion and RJ and Cam a few years ago. Um Carolina, you know, they they've had consistent success outside of I would say probably this year and last year. But it hasn't really been crazy for the blue bloods uh in a in a long time. So if you, you know, for the college basketball fans, where we are at right now is not surprising as far as no Kansas, no Kentucky, no Carolina, that type of situation. But where the tournament stands right now is something that I I said to my well, – I didn't say, like, on any of our shows or anything like that. I didn't tweet it, but I, I had this feeling going into it that this tournament was, was going to be very 2018-like. What do you mean anybody, by 2018-like? Anybody that listened to your show remember, like, the 2018 – uh, NCAA tournament was set up to be really competitive and really fun and not to say it wasn't but I mean that from a name standpoint and that's not what happened like you know that was uh, and I don't say that only because Loyola Chicago made a run in that tournament and they're looking like they're going to make a run in this tournament I'm saying that because of the amount of upsets the lack of uh, mm-hmm. things you didn't see coming and just different things and I could really I got that feeling for whatever reason coming into this draft because it, it it looked too good to be true. Like the matchups you could have gotten this tournament and everything like that, it looked too good. Like Illinois, Baylor, Michigan, and Gonzaga all making the final four. That just seemed like it made too much sense. Do you do you think or not just think, but is it just a recruiting thing? Cause so off my limited intel, it's like I know Duke, Carolina, Kansas, obviously Kentucky. Like part of what makes them so crazy is everyone has, well, let's say recently crazy, right? I'm not going to speak for like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
but recruiting has become such a big thing 2000 on or I'll say 06 on or 07 on whenever they declared that um, guys were no longer allowed to go straight from high school to the league. Right. So that's when John Calipari had a run. Cause obviously he had just the amount of five-star recruits he could get into whatever program he wanted. Um, Rose wall cousins, uh, Carolina had a similar thing. I know Duke the last uh, five to six years had a lot more. You talk about that team with Zion, RJ, Cam Reddish. So is it like a recruiting thing is why like those normal schools that are like the Duke, the Carolina, Kansas, or is it just like, are the schools catching up to them? Um, no, the problem is that those schools, not necessarily Carolina, honestly, but the problem, they're not with Kansas either. The problem is with specifically the Duke and Kentucky and their lack of success this year, at least, is they chasing the blue bloods. And, 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 you know, Coach K has found his most success when he's been able to build a program up and have veteran guys like Nolan Smith, Kyle Singler, uh, you know, Jay Williams, Shane Battier, JJ back in the day, all of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he, and when he isn't taking that route outside of, outside of his 2015 team, which, led him to this path to be going after the Blue Buzz the way he does, uh, not the Blue Buzz, but to be going after the top, recruit, the top recruits like he does now is he had success with it when he originally did it with Jalil, with Justice, with, uh, with Tyus. When he had that success with that group of guys, it led him down his path, and he hasn't, you know, won a, a natty since 2015. So, you know, and, and then in Cal's case, Cal, Cal's whole thing is I'm going to get you to leave. And, you know, he happened to get the championship with that great 2012 team, but he hasn't won a championship either. He had the team that, uh, you know, that was, that was on a track to Anthony go undefeated, to go undefeated with Cat and those guys back in 20, uh, I think that was that 15. I think that was 15. That also, yeah. So back in 2015, Cal, you know, that was probably his closest team since they had a chance to win a, a national championship. Um, no, no, the Malik Monk, Darren Fox, Bam team, that team was probably his closest team since the 2012 team to win a, to get a chip. But mm-hmm. those guys, those that didn't happen. You know, and that was 2017. That was four years ago. So yeah, Cal, uh, Cal hasn't come close really since. So I would say in Cal and, and Coach K's case that, you know, the chasing of the Blue Bloods is kind of – I mean, the chasing of number one recruits is kind of is, – is, is becoming a downfall to an extent because when you look at who's going to be the – I would say the first at least three picks in the draft, they aren't at Blue Bloods schools. You know, K kind of has at Oklahoma State. Evan, um, Evan Mobley's at USC. Uh, Jalen Suggs is at Gonzaga, like – these kids now they're not basing the decisions off of what you can do for me is what I know I can do for you and is what I'm going to do for myself so that's why we are in a state now where there are no blue bloods like in the case of Bill Self and and Roy Williams for Kansas and Carolina they you know they'll get five stars just off their name but they're looking to build build a roster and build a, a culture over years and you know, develop guys three, four years at a time. They're not necessarily looking to have those guys as going top five in the draft. Now, they happen to get those guys, but that's not the aim. Mm-hmm. Now, I like that. That feels a lot like um, like growing up, obviously, like 
um, you'd hear a lot like dudes like, oh, I want to go to the Knicks. I want to go to the Lakers. I want to go to the Celtics where now it's even in the NBA guys aren't look like they don't care if they're in on the Knicks. Like you could go to a still above average market and you know, the value you bring like Cleveland is one of the biggest brands in the NBA solely off the strength of LeBron. Um, KD had like Oklahoma city is not a big market at all, but when they had Russ um, Harden, KD, like guys don't need these big brands to make it anymore. Um, I think Zion's kind of an exception. I think he did get a little bigger because he went to Duke, but I think he still would have been a big sensation regardless of where he was at. Um, so I don't know if I ever really buy um, like the tournament's designed to get upsets because if you just wake up and you're not feeling it, or you got a bad day shooting, it's designed to get that. Do you feel like this year is actually like a crazy amount of upsets? What do you think is one like you would have never seen coming? Um, Cause obviously it's a t- if you were, if you're a dude who just picks chalk and whenever I do the brackets for the most time, I'm not exactly chalk, but I'm pretty close just cause I don't have um, a real deeper knowledge of it to try to pick out individual games like that. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like a, it's been way more upsets than normal, like any of the upsets stuck out to you, or do you feel like this is just kind of how March goes? No, this is just it's 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 upsets, but what's the upset, you know, in fuck in a fucking pandemic. You know, like that's no, that's fair. That's fair. Like it's not like is is and then you this is I can really relate this to the bubble um last summer because it's like when you look at it, these guys are locked in Indiana, they can't leave out their rooms, they can't go nowhere. So you know, your whole mindset is um, just basketball, and it's like you're either of the mindset that I just want to get out of here, I'm trying to be here as long as I can, and you know, and if you fall, if you happen to fall on both, it just so happens, it just comes down to who has the more talent. So, you know, a team like Loyola Chicago, they don't want to leave Indiana. Um, yeah. They they want to stay for as long as possible, but you you may have a team with some with some other guys that's looking at the league or some guys that know, hey, um, we'll be back next year when things is kind of more normal, but we'll just run it back. So I, don't, I wouldn't say necessarily upsets because, you know, you got these guys all playing in Indiana and these and these different gyms that's, you know, they, they may not be used to the atmosphere. There's nobody in there. You know, you have a limited amount from your school or, you know, a, a few family members there and shit like that. But, you know, I can't really say, like, it's upsets because it's a it's a weird time we living in. Now, from a ranking standpoint and a talent standpoint, like yeah, like Illinois losing to Loyola, Loyola Chicago, that was an upset. You know, Abilene mm-hmm. Christian when they first round matchup, I forgot who they beat, but um, that was an upset. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas losing for on on the first in the sixty round of sixty four, let alone the first weekend was an upset. So, Shout you know, there's AJ definitely, there's definitely upsets. Um, but you know, man, it's it's a weird time, so I can't really say that any of these things going on is shocking. You know, if you if you didn't watch college mm-hmm. basketball all year and you're just going off a name or or hey, um, I know these guys usually do good in the tournament and then they lose, that might be a shocker to you. But if you mm-hmm. really watch how crazy this year was in college basketball, like none of this is shocking. No, it's definitely like I would I'd be looking for Kentucky. I didn't know I didn't know. Um, and I'm not like I said, I'm not shy about it, I just don't watch college basketball. Um uh, I, I didn't know when I saw the tweet, it's like, oh, Duke and Kentucky are in the tournaments. Like, that shit was wild to me because I just have this, my uh, whole associate, 
my associations with obviously like the biggest names and the biggest brands. And so it's like, I know coach K, I know Calipari, I know uh, Roy Williams, UNC, I know Kansas, I know um, Gonzaga even to a degree. Um, but it's not like a real deep dive sport. I don't spend hours a week watching college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. bef- before we get to the prospects part. Uh, so for remaining out of the sweet 16, is it as simple as, and I did, I watched uh, some highlights from this and listened to some people. Is it just Gonzaga versus the field, or do you think there's a team that could take out Gonzaga? Um, it is them versus the field, but it's not them versus – it's not it's not Gonzaga can't lose. But it's, it's to the point where if they lost, you would be shocked. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no. Like, they can, but you really – like, you would have the hardest time saying that happened. Like, it, it would be the – like, it wouldn't make sense to you. But I do think Baylor is a tough matchup for uh, Gonzaga. I think, I think that you know they can run into one of these teams that's that's, that's hot, and and they and on a right the right day they can catch Gonzaga. But I I have a I I would have a hard time seeing anybody beating them just the way they plan. And they they like a so a, so deep. It's not like they just got a five six man rotation. Like that's a deep team, and they got the talent. Like I said, they have a lottery pick in Jalen Suggs and. They have veteran guys on that team. So for them to lose, that would, that would be a hard thing. Okay. Um, Prospect-wise, so for, first off, give me give me your you, – you named him earlier. Give me your top three guys again as far as going into the draft. My top three guys, I would say, is uh, Kay Cunningham, uh, number one for sure, I would say. Evan Mobley, number two, and I would probably say Jalen Suggs just because you have you've had a chance to really see him um, in college and against against good competition at Gonzaga. But um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if that was a spot where Jalen Green went. Um, he's one of the top guys in the at least prospects. He's one of the top prospects. He's in the G League right now. I don't really know how well he's doing. I haven't watched any G League stuff, but. Um, he could he could go top three, but my top three I would say Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. And Evan Mobley's a big, right? Yeah, center, center USC. Okay. Yeah. And and one thing about Evan Mobley is because I remember we you know us doing the show for as long as we've been doing it. I said last year that how James Wiseman was very like he was crazy talented and stuff like this. And I don't think Evan Mobley's as talented as James Wiseman, but if if you, I had the option, you know, I'm one of these teams. From watch from based off of watching both of those guys in high school, I would take Evan Mobley because I feel that he has an aggression that James Wiseman doesn't have at this very moment. And maybe he can grow into that. I'm not saying he can't, but Evan Mobley has an has an aggression that you would want to see from a guy that's that that size and that talented. I mean, James Wiseman, I'd like I I can't speak for his college and high school days, but I, I don't know if I'm going walking into Golden State's roster and being like, yo, man, give me the ball. <laughs> That, that's a tough pitch to be like, hey, yo, greatest shooter ever, two-time MVP, yo, give me that shit. Um, so where's – because you got Cade Cunningham going number one overall regardless, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So give me um, best fit as far as on both sides. Like what is the team that would want Cade the most if they get a number one pick? And we'll, we'll consider the teams that are the trashiest right now. Um, and also, what do you think would be his actual best fit among those trashy teams? 
So, like, the Timberwolves right now got the worst record in the league, and I think Houston's got the second worst record in the league. But Do Golden State got their pick? Yes. So, Golden State – so, From as the, of right now – trade, right? Yes. So, it would be Golden State, Houston, and I'm missing one of, like, who's got the worst record in the East. Um, give me a second here. Let me pull this up. Uh, I believe it is – okay, so the Pistons – We'll use these five teams. We got the Pistons, the Magic. Damn. <laughs> hey, look, some of these records are wild. The Timberwolves, the Rockets. Yeah, let's go with those four. Because the next ones are weird because it's the Wizards and the Kings. And I'm like, but technically they're both in playoff contention still. That's what that's how that's how wild the league is right now. <laughs> niggas can I have think, the first niggas can have the first pick or make the playoffs. I would say if I would say if LaMelo Ball has showed us anything, it's that Golden State could use another ball handler and a guy who can get his own shot, who's a great passer, and somebody who could take the pressure off of Steph. So I would say, Kate, like he 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 would work perfect in Golden State because he he can shoot. Um, you know, he can shoot the ball. I, you know, he he has a a jump shot that you have to defend. Just can't leave him open. Um, and he and what he his his passing skills and his facilitation skills since he was you know since he was back at, at uh, in high school is the the pad the passing was crazy last year when I looked at him before he even got to Oklahoma State when I watched just looking at him play in high school and like his passing is is pro ready you know his and at six six seven two hundred two hundred fifteen two hundred twenty pounds. If if I'm going to state and and they end up with that number one pick, you cannot, you know, I don't want to say make the same mistake because we don't know if passing Lamelo for James Wiseman was a mistake. I'm I'm not going to say that, but um, right now it looks bad. Yeah, you know, but I don't I don't want to say that yet. But you gotta you have to, you have to have a uh, a contingency plan in in case Clay, we know Clay's not going to be ready to start next year you know, mm-hmm. coming off of everything. And you have to have a contingency plan for those times when Steph can't play. So you have to, you know, you have to have a guy like that. And and he's just, he's so good. Like, he's so good. I heard someone, and I think you're the perfect person to ask this um, before we head out. I heard a comparison from him, and it was, now, now this comparison, they did say, um, exclude this player's NBA terms. Just go with, like, the senior of high school and their one year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said Cade Cunningham is Ben Simmons swap Ben Simmons defense for Cade Cunningham shooting. Basically. Basically, like basically. And and this and this just Does he play defense? It's really at all? that simple. It's really that simple. No, he he he's a, he can play defense. Like he's a he's a solid defender. He's not fucking, you know, not guarding. But yeah, like, but he's a he's a good defender, but you know what he can do as far as his running and off, and that's and that's another thing is like he can run an offense on the court with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Like he can he can facilitate an offense, mm-hmm. and and while scoring the ball, like he can he can make the great passes, or he could give you twenty. Like he's his his game offensively at least is is very is very pro ready. Okay. What if he? Do you think he would do? Take I. 
I don't want to count record because I'm not holding no one as a rookie like responsible for the team's record. But mm-hmm. do you think his situation? Like, do you think he works in any of those situations? So we just said Detroit, uh, Houston. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's fine anywhere. Like you, you could put him literally on any thirty NBA teams, and and it's going to work because the way his his game is set up is he's not he's he's a pass first point guard, but he's not passive. You get what I'm saying? Like Ben yeah, yeah. Ben comes off as passive. He's he's a pass first guy who who who's very willing to say we down eight with four minutes left. Like I like I'm gonna get us some buckets. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, we, we down we it's it's five point game with, with a minute left. Like all right, I'm I'm a, I'm taking a shot. Like he's that type of player, but he's he's also he also wants to get players involved in the game. And he's he's fine anywhere. I also heard um, uh, taller Darren Williams, which I thought was an interesting comparison. That's, that's a line. Is that it's, just – would you agree with that one? See, I don't even know. It's just kind of funny considering, like, Darren Williams, like, at 6'4", was always, like, he's such a big guard. Well, Darren Williams played in an entirely different NBA because Darren Williams <laughs> – No, that's my point, though. <laughs> that's my point, though. Because Steph would have been a big guard in the NBA Darren Williams played in. <laughs> Like, um, now I think that's all I got. Um, if you want to give, uh, so you, you, am I right? You have Gonzaga winning? I don't really have anyone. I don't really have a winner. I would just say that I have a hard time not seeing them winning. Okay. And then you had Oregon as your best threat to them. No, no. I said any, like. Or Baylor, not, I'm sorry. Not, no, yeah, Baylor. I would say Baylor is probably the biggest threat to Gonzaga not winning that championship. But if Gonzaga ran into one of these hot teams, you know, on the, on their way to the Final Four or whatever, mm-hmm. like anything can happen, especially where the tournament stands right now. Like, like I said, no one, no one could have saw Illinois losing the Loyola Chicago the way they did. Like they got they got smacked. So you just can't really predict anything that's going on right now. Well, Loyola Chicago, that's not fair. They have a 100-year-old fan that they all want to let down. So that's like extra motivation for them. They Someone said this- Sister Jane could use her, her powers for like world peace, but she used it for college basketball. And I respect that. Hey, man. I, <laughs> I, I Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, look, I was told old people weren't supposed to be around all this stuff. But, you know, she's out here. She's having a good time. Shout out to her. Um, but, yeah, no, I appreciate you for coming on the show today, giving us uh, um, an NCAA breakdown. We'll probably talk to you again once the tournament is actually over. Um, obviously, when we get closer to draft time for both NBA and NFL, we'll be definitely linking up for it. And right. I'll catch you later this week on Real Big 3. All right, bro. See you. All right. Peace out. Welcome back. I uh, appreciate Tony for checking in with us today. Um, it's always really good to get some – NCAA break. I just not. It's always good to get a breakdown for someone that you yourself might not be the most familiar in, and bringing in someone who is more who is more experienced in that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the minute you don't know something. I uh, just go talk to someone who knows. And when it comes to college basketball, obviously, as I said multiple times during the interview, I don't know enough to give you guys a legitimate college basketball breakdown. So for those couple things a year, it is nice to bring Tony on. So shout out to him. Um, Tony from content creator for Hard Fun Network and one third of the Real Big Three podcast. 
So I said I wasn't going to talk every week about just what Denver and New Orleans is doing because those are my two teams. But I do feel like the Pelicans will be involved in the... I think Denver made a very significant move this week. And I also feel like New Orleans is going to be involved in the two most important player transactions for this trading deadline. So first, let's start with J.J. Redick. So the report is right now that J.J. Redick is going to be bought out from him and the Pelicans are going to reach a buyout. And from that, he is then going to go sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, does J.J. Redick push the Nets over the proverbial edge? I don't know if I'm going to go that far. J.J. has had, um, despite his... Despite his career and what we know him to be, he has had more. This has been probably his most inconsistent season he's had in a while. So his play has dipped. So let's not act like, oh, J.J. Redick automatically is 45% three-point shooter, one of the best shooters of all time. Because even though he is that, he has not played like that. But it does make the Nets extremely scary in that theoretical end-game death lineup. Because now you could go... Durant, you could go Blake, which Blake's looked really good for him. Blake, Durant, Harden, J.J. Reddick, Kyrie. Uh, you have shooting everywhere. You have a big who is skilled with Blake. Um, and that'd be tough to beat for anybody. So this transaction for them makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. 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 So the transaction makes a lot Sorry. The transaction makes a lot of sense for them. Um, and I think it could be huge if, if JJ and Blake are both playing like they could, even at veteran 70, 80% of their prime selves, if they're doing that, then yes, JJ Reddick to the Nets secures the Nets a champ, a championship. I don't care if they go against the Lakers, Clippers, whoever they go against that lineup when it matters most will be better than anything the Lakers can throw at them or the Clippers could throw at them. And I don't really want to hear about size because Anthony Davis is not a drop-step dominant big man. So him against Blake Griffin, well, obviously AD is the better player. It's not like he can just abuse the matchup left and right. Um, AD will always get his points. He'll always be able to get what he wants, where he wants on the floor. He's that good. Excuse me. But it's not this dominating mismatch. Oh, we can't do anything about it. Um, Kevin Durant has already obviously is proven if the rest of his team is canceling out or doing more than what LeBron James team is, he is capable of doing canceling out or doing more than what LeBron James is doing. He's probably the only guy in the league that could say that. Then the other most important transaction, possible player transaction, obviously this is excluding if, um, this will drop Thursday morning. So obviously if a guy is moved, really late Wednesday night and or Thursday before the deadline and it's out of left field uh, that could overtake how big or important these moves are. But the other one that is talked about is Lonzo ball. And this one sucks because I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of confusion to start. Let's start here. There's a lot of confusion with the Lonzo ball trade because most people would tell you, if you just look with your eyes, Lonzo's a good fit on the Pelicans. He's a he's a point guard who's turned himself into a good shooter. 
He can play defense. He's long. He's still an he's still athletic, and he is like he just feels like a good fit. He doesn't need to shoot a lot. And on a team with Brandon Ingram and Zion, he might not get you if you're the third option or even fourth option. Sometimes you don't you're not going to get a lot of shots. But he has turned his jump shot into something defenses have to respect, and he has incredible court vision. And when you're playing with a guy like Zion, and even Jackson Hayes coming off the bench. Court vision and that passing ability is, it's a huge bonus to them. They've moved the offense around a bit, and so now Zion and Brandon Ingram get the ball in their hands more, and that has lowered his assist numbers. But in transition, Lonzo Ball has still been an excellent point guard for this team. And I believe that to be true, not just because Talking Head said it. I just, I've watched enough Pelicans games that I believe this to be true. And there is even more disappointment with the the possibility of him being moved because this last two to three weeks, and really this last month, month and a half, Lonzo's been playing much better. Like, the, the average fan could tell you, all right, his shot is better. Oh, he's got more confidence. Oh, he's playing better in terms of his pace, uh, controlling the ball, doing that. But it's even a step above what I believe the average fan is noticing. I think he's gone up two steps. The first step is being a uh, being a legitimate threat in this offense, and now I think he has certified himself as they are a little big three in terms of play, obviously not in terms of winning or championship contention, not saying that. But he's turned himself where there's nights where all three of them get 20-plus points, all three of them get five-plus assists, and Lonzo is the point guard, and Lonzo is a good wing defender, Um and as you've seen these glimpses of, oh, this will work. The problem is, and I've always kind of known in the back of my head uh, since the since this last offseason that it probably wasn't going to happen. But as you saw him play, and I don't know, maybe Lonzo's a good actor. The, the way you saw them play, it felt like chemistry was building up. Uh, his confidence in himself, the team's confidence in him. Uh, and just the, Tony always says, the team looks, I just want to root for a team that's fun. And they looked like they were having fun together. They looked like, oh, we all believe this can work. We might be losing games right now, but me, Z, uh, B.I., Zion, and two other guys on the court, this works. This could be a playoff team. But in the long run, the problem is, and probably will be, his dad obviously has his ear, as any dad would. So, yes, his dad, while I don't think his comments were as severe as, oh, I don't want him in New Orleans at all, New Orleans stinks, he doesn't want to be there, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they're actually that severe, but I do think he has spoken negatively about the way that they're doing stuff because he wants all of his sons, He be- and, and he should feel this way, he believes they can all be like LaMelo, where LaMelo was essentially handed the keys. Well, not at first, but when, when he was handed the keys to the car, he drove it. He drove it 100 miles an hour, and he has done great. And he's going to probably be, barring before the injury, he was going to be rookie of the year. And he, he believes all his sons can do that. And he believes all his sons can do that together. That's confidence of a dad. He should feel like that. Not holding that against him. And then the other thing that really was the nail in the coffin 
Lonzo's a clutch client. And the reality is, clutch clients and the Pelicans will probably not do business for years. Not saying it'll never happen, but it's going to take some time. You can't just take my girl and then the girl I get back, now you're going to take her too? No, 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 no. So, between Lonzo being a clutch client and his dad probably not liking the way that New Orleans is using him currently where it's they essentially have three ball handlers and three different guys who run in the offense instead of just Lonzo running the offense. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Lonzo's probably not there for the long term. But the good thing if you're a Pelicans fan is Lonzo has upped his value tremendously because if he was traded at the beginning of the season, like some fans wanted, it would have been for a much lower value than he is right now. Right now, he's shooting well, he's passing well, like he's just playing well. And that will be a better guard or better value player than what he was at the beginning of the season. And whoever gets Lonzo Ball, whether it's the Clippers, if he goes back to the Lakers, if he goes to the Knicks, you're getting a great guard. And statistically Lonzo's kind of an anomaly because statistically he, he his games when he has really good games he usually doesn't show up on the stat sheet even when he's put up these 20 point games I don't think these are his best games I think these are just his easiest to point out games um because Lonzo does play like a guy who get 20 and 10 and even though he doesn't always get those numbers because sometimes making the correct pass which he does a lot doesn't always mean you're going to get the assist Sometimes he's making the pass because he knows if I make the swing pass and then they kick it out, it's going to be an open uh, open three in the corner. So it won't be an assist for him, but it is the right play. And Lonzo, while I don't know if he'll make the immediate impact Reddit could, that Reddit could make on the Nets, because I think the Nets are closer, if he did go to a team like the Clippers, I think he makes a better long-term impact. In terms of him, Kawhi, Paul George, that's a big three. If Lonzo continues to develop. Because I believe he still has another step or two he could get better. So he will benefit a team better in the long run than Redick. But Redick is a better short-term answer. And if this is what goes down, Lonzo appreciate the season and a half. two se- or the, Yeah, the season and a half that we had. Um, like I said, really good player, potential to be a great player, just due to circumstances, his agent, his dad, probably not going to work out long-term in New Orleans. If I'm the Pelicans, I am pleading, 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 not if I'm the Pelicans, as me, as the host of Hard Foul Radio, as Justin, please, 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 if you trade Lonzo and you buy out Redick, gosh, move Eric Bledsoe. Because Eric Bledsoe don't want to be there. Y'all don't want to play Eric Bledsoe. No, I'm sorry. You do want to play Eric Bledsoe, which is also a problem. He don't want to be there. Move him. Even if you got to package one of your first-round picks, you got a bunch of them. Send Eric Bledsoe in a first-round pick somewhere else to go get a, another bench player. Start Kira Lewis and Neil, Neil Alexander Walker, please. Nikhil Alexander Walker, please. Because if we're going to go this direction, you might as well go Kira at the one. Not the two. Ingram, Zion, three and four. And then Steven Adams at the five. 
And if it works, and listen, if it works, you've got next year where you're going to have some cap flexibility because you're only really paying now if you buy out Reddick, you're really only paying Ingram and Adams, and Adams' deal is huge. And Adams has been a great fit, and the chemistry and his role on that team seems to fit. Jackson Hayes steps in as your center. Now you have in possibly two years at the the same time next year, Kira Lewis, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes. That's a super formidable starting five. But get them in now. Get their minutes up now. It would feel kind of like you're wasting a good Zion or a great Zion season because he's averaging 25 a game and shooting over 60%. But if you're confident which I am, that this is just who Zion is. He's going to be 25 points a game, seven rebounds, five, six assists, and 60% shooting. Then you do, then you, the best play is to improve what is around him. And with your current situation, the best way to improve what's, improve what's around him is go with your two guards who show a lot of potential but are young and need more time in game. And I don't know if Stan Van Gundy's the right coach, but... He's there. That's just, it is what it is. And Ingram is already established. Ingram is, any given night, he gets you 25 plus. And he can handle the ball and get you five or six assists. But if you really believe that this team, this is the best way to go, please, please, I am pleading with you, start Kyra Lewis and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. All right. In other my team news, and like I said, I'm only really discussing this because I felt like these were very relevant to the world. Um, I'm not, just as a heads up, I'm not discussing Deshaun Watson on this show until I know more information. Um, I believe that, I believe that you should believe when things are brought up. I think everything should be looked into. Everything should be handled seriously and everything should be, um, taken into consideration so everyone that has come forth and accused him of what they have accused him um it he it deserves to get its day in court it deserves to be heard they those women deserve to be respected and so because of that i will not be discussing anything to sean watson related until he has his day in court and i've always stood firm on this it's going to be one of two things he is either a horrible disgusting son of a bitch or someone was lying and i don't have much more else to talk about that this is not a legal podcast this is a sports podcast so moving on so denver got a new gm right now the joke is john elway got hired a new gm and then gave himself a promotion but i don't think john elway is actually behind this because I would argue this is the best offseason since John since Peyton Manning. That's not fair. Peyton Manning offseason is kind of a it's outlier. John Elway has one great offseason, and that was the offseason he brought in Tlaib, TJ Ward, uh, revamped the defense, and they never went from a all-time offensive team to an all-time defensive team. Now, George Patton might be following that blueprint, though. Because everything he's done, while only taking $6 million off the cap for this year, 
Von Miller was brought back. Shelby Harris was re-signed. Justin Simmons was re-signed. Krim Jackson was released, then re-signed at a better number to work with the cap. Brought in uh, the corner from Washington. Kyle Fuller then became available. Brought in Kyle Fuller. Denver now has, if Von Miller is Von Miller, Denver's got a top three defense. Miller, Chubb, Harris, Jarrell Casey will be back at nose tackle. Alexander Johnson in the middle. And that secondary, Fuller, Callahan, Simmons, Jackson. Oh my gosh. And then on offense, this is how you this is this is a really smart decision. Because if you've decided, and I don't know, I'm not Denver. If Denver has decided they're either going to make a play in the draft at number nine to get a quarterback or continue with Drew Locke. This is how you develop a young guy. Give him a great defense. You have an offensive line that's going to have four of its five starters returning from last year. And the fifth starter should be Jawan James, who you signed that huge contract two years ago and really hasn't played. One year, uh, he opted out last year to Cole Woodward injured the year prior. Cortland Sutton comes back on offense. You still have Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, who all those guys got more reps because of Cortland Sutton being out. Noah Fant at tight end. Um, the Iowa tight end, who I always mess up his name. Now, the only thing I don't like is they didn't bring back Philip Lindsay. I don't like that. And I but I, I don't like that more as a fan, more so than that might be the right football decision. Because there's there's analytics that could argue Philip Lindsay's not worth paying a even like a four year twenty million dollar deal. But he is a fan favorite. Um, I really liked watching Philip Lindsay play. He was a Pro Bowler two years ago, um, but I'll just I'll just leave it there. He might go somewhere else and not produce at all, and then you could argue, all right, well that was justified. I'm never going to justify it. I really like Philip Lindsay. I think he was a that was a huge blow to the fan base to lose him, but I'm not general manager. This defense. This young set of receivers on offense. Drew Locke, it's put up or shut up. If they keep Drew Locke. It is put up or shut up. Teams do this from time to time if they think their quarterback is on the edge. This is the smart. Not even teams do this uh, so often. But teams should do this. This is the smart way to go about, do I have the right quarterback? Because if I have the right quarterback, if I believe my guy is it, my guy is going to take me where I want to go, this is exactly what you do. Because if I got the guy, I just gave my guy a top five defense. He's got young, skilled positions everywhere. If you can't do it, Drew Locke, you're not the guy. And I'm not saying Drew Locke can't do it. I was championing Drew Locke last year, or at the start of last year. I think there was some unfair situations that happened to him. I think losing your right tackle, uh, having a rookie center who got off to a slow start, a free agent right guard who had to miss a couple games due to COVID, uh, him having to miss a game due to COVID, him missing a couple games due to injuries, uh, his number one receiver being out, Von Miller going out, which is a huge blow to the team. 
there is things that happened that I could look past last year in terms of the development for Drew Locke. I don't think last year was damning and that, oh, he just can't play at all. But even if I don't think it's damning, it did hurt you. You didn't improve last year. You didn't make a jump last year. So, George Patton, first year as an NFL GM, A-plus free agency so far. And Denver still has $27 million in cap, which means, as I said, to open, if that day in court comes and they find out that he's proven innocent, you have all the cap space you need to do after a big-time quarterback. I think my preferential choice now, while I do believe the other guy would make you a Super Bowl contender now, I would love to see Denver at number nine trade up, maneuver some picks, and go get Justin Fields. I think you put Justin Fields with this defense and these group of receivers I think he just makes it work. Um, even the running backs, like Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone, who they signed from Minnesota, like that's a good running back tandem. It's just not Philip Lindsay, who had a whole bunch of fan support. Because if, like I said, if I'm convinced, whether it's Fields, the guy who has to go to court, or Drew Locke, if I'm convinced that's my guy, Denver's put enough talent around him now to prove you're the guy. Go get it done. Tony asked me this last week in terms of where do I see them finishing. It's hard to say you finish above Kansas City um, until you see something until you see something else. But if you were going to put a team against Kansas City and say, all right, what do you got to do? Well, you've got to cover and you got to rush. Who is going to cover and rush better than the Denver Broncos? Chubb, Miller. Casey, uh, Shelby Harris, Callahan, Fuller, Simmons, Jackson, Alexander Johnson in the middle, who's a very fast athletic linebacker who's really good in coverage. That's the formula that Tampa Bay just used to beat them. Now, I won't say they're as good as Tampa Bay because they don't have the Super Bowl. They don't have the accomplishments. But neither did Tampa Bay... Going into that playoff run, their defense didn't have the accomplishments. Their defense didn't have the proof beforehand. But if I'm following a model, this is the model you follow. George Patton, A-plus free agency. Hey, man, when we come back, it will be to end the show with something only I would understand. Been a super cool show. Once again, thank you to Tony for coming on here and giving us some NCAA info. Um, Always fun to talk to my guy. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with the, with something only I would understand. See you guys soon.
end today's show with something only I would understand. And remember, it's never just that I'm the only person that can understand it. It's just how my brain works. So, something that's been going around the last 24 hours since he said it is Draymond Green called himself the greatest defender of all time. And there's been backlash, there's been pushback, you know, people saying, oh, no, this these guys are better. Oh, no, this guy is better. And all I thought about when I heard that comment is, this is where we are. This is where we are. People don't even make rational comments anymore. There's no point to say, I think I'm one of the best defenders in the league. I think I have a chance to be on the first team all defense. I think if you look at guys who have been instrumental in helping build a defense, I'm one of the best. Guys just jump out the gate and go, I'm the greatest ever. Or, this guy's the worst of all time. Because we are obsessed with lists, rankings, that in the moment, just we're, we're as a society, we're obsessed with it. And Draymond, who I believe to be smarter than the average person, I think he understands this completely. I think Draymond just baited everyone. I started the show saying LeBron hides the fact that the NBA stinks as a whole. Well, Draymond just took out the fact the Warriors have been struggling. He just, all of that, you're not even going to think about the Warriors record. In fact, if you're just watching this video alone, you're not even thinking of the Warriors record. You're thinking about Draymond Green said he's the greatest defender of all time. No, Rodman's better, Ben Wallace is better, KG's better. It doesn't matter. The times we live in now, you just you you go for that number one all-time spot. There is guys who get ridiculed and mocked and made fun of and dragged on Twitter because they are the 27th greatest of something. Do you know how hard it is to be the 27th greatest of anything? I mean, exclude underwater basket weaving. That list might not get to 27. But... In a sport like basketball, something that, and to be in the NBA, a place millions of guys have been and billions of people have tried to get to, and people are going to sit there and slander Draymond and say, no, you're only the 15th greatest defender of all time. Oh, no, you're on the 20th greatest defender. Are you serious? And I think Draymond's a genius. I think he just played the internet. He just played the internet. Hey, man, guess what? He, he looked at Steph and said, hey, man, guess what? I'm a, I am I got him today. I know you just went like 3 for 14 the other day. Don't worry. I'm going to get them all off you right now. Ready? Go to my phone. I am the greatest defender of all time. You know what? You know what? I'm not even going to tweet that. I'm going to go out to this presser after a loss, and I'm going to go say it. Get the whole world off you. Don't, don't worry, bro. I got you. He's smart. He knows what he's saying. He's manipulating the way that the internet culture moves because we are obsessed with these lists. I've seen guys get dragged for being the fourth greatest ever. Dudes will tell you, oh, you're the fourth greatest ever at this? You ain't shit. You ain't number one. Dudes drag LeBron because they say, no, he's not number one. He's only number two. Only number two? So if I'm the second greatest at something? I get dragged for that? Okay. 
I'm not here to argue with you on if Draymond thinks he is the first, second, third, fourth, 50th, whatever, however he feels. He should be as confident as can be, and he can feel however he wants to feel. He just played the internet. And he just, he played the internet. He controlled what the talk shows discuss. He just, just him. You want to talk about people get credit as influencers because they have X amount of followers or X amount of subscribers. Draymond Green was an influencer. Draymond Green has influenced the direction of shows, magazines, blogs, headlines. He just, all of that just went his way. He just influenced all of them. Do you know how hard that is to influence that, to influence that, to have real impact? This isn't just, oh, I got 5 million subscribers or I have 5 million followers on Instagram. He impacted networks and companies that it's their job to produce a profit. And he just dictated what they're all doing today. And Draymond Green's not a super superstar. He is not Kevin Durant. He is not James Harden. He's not Kyrie Irving. He's not Giannis. And he just did all that. All I can say is, Draymond, clap it up to you, man. You won the internet today. You just you just played the entire internet. Something only I would understand. Hey, man, I appreciate everybody that is tuning in. I think this is our longest one that we've done so far. Then we've got just about an hour and a half. Um, this is kind of where I want to be around an hour and a half to two hours. It all depends. Um, it will get longer and or shorter based on obviously what is going around, going on in the world of sports. We're not here just to bullshit you for an, we're not here just to bullshit you for X amount of time. Um, I want to talk about stuff that's credible. I want to talk about stuff that matters. So, uh, really excited by the way, baseball starts in nine days. I feel like I'm the only guy that gives a shit about baseball anymore. Um, so super excited for that. Um, get your MLB league pass. Very important. And yeah, man. Um, don't forget, as always, as always, please go check out every personality that is here on Hardfound Network at Shadow Riley, at Will Bell NVO, at Ant HFN, at Hardfound Network on Instagram and Twitter. That website is coming soon. Videos on Instagram dropping, videos on YouTube dropping, videos on Twitter are dropping. Um, appreciate the love, appreciate the listens, and as always, as always, as always, as always. Time is valuable, and I value my time more than anything, and so should you. So I appreciate you spending that time with me, and I will see you guys next week.